this world, there are patterns within patterns. And learning to read these patterns in nature and in ourselves becomes the key to deeper understanding and knowledge. Welcome to the second episode in the series on the tarot, one of those patterns for reflection that can guide us deeper in. Where we enter together into the web of life in all of its many seen and unseen dimensions. I'm Erin Schrader, owner of the Rebel Herbalist, and it is my honor to hold this portal to the other world. Let's enter, shall we? sort of walking our way through the major arcana. Again, the major arcana are the cards 0 through 21, and they are a representation of the hero's journey or the symbolic journey of the life of a human if we live it to its fullest potential, finding self-actualization and individuation and then bringing the fullness of those gifts to our community. And so last week we stopped um, with the emperor, the number four card. And this week we'll pick it up with number five, the Hierophant. The Hierophant is a symbol of masculine hierarchy and tradition. Um, it has been conflated with the image of the Pope or a bishop. The Hierophant carries the energy of um, structure and patriarchy and the way of things, but in a more spiritual sense than the Emperor. The Emperor carries that same sort of masculine, structured, foundational energy that is protective and nurturing in a more fatherly or like Lord of the Manor sort of way, whereas the Hierophant is more um, connected to the esoteric religion and spirituality, um, mystery schools, sacred traditions. And when the Hierophant comes up in a reading, it it usually speaks to me of um, either following tradition or breaking tradition. We're at this point of friction between um, keeping what works and letting go of what doesn't um, in terms of our inherited worldviews, um, 
and the traditions that we're indoctrinated into and that we follow, religious and otherwise. So, um, yeah, there's a lot more we could say about the Hierophant. Um, it's a card that is dear to me. Um, my birth number is five. So if you do numerology and you add up your birth date, you'll get your birth number or your birth numerology. Um, so like starting with the month um, and then adding. So I was born December 10th. So one plus two for the 12 plus one for the one plus the numbers in my birth year add up to five. So if you haven't done your birth number, um, it's a fun thing to do and read that numerology. And then you can um, attach the major arcana card to your birth numerology as well and see this as sort of a guiding principle um, in your uh, current incarnation. So for me, the Hierophant is a guiding card in my life journey. And that is definitely true. Um, I have a lot of connections to traditional spirituality through um, my ancestry, where we were German Reformed Lutherans and Anabaptists and broke from the Catholic Church and then broke again from the Lutheran Church. <laughs> and then even within that tradition, um, my ancestors broke from that tradition. Um, so we've had a, a long line of folks in my family who have challenged tradition or come to that crossroads, that nexus point between what has been and what wants to be born and had to sift through the traditions to keep what works um, and to let go of what doesn't. And so I continue that journey that my ancestors um, have carried forth. Moving from the Hierophant then to the number six card is the Lovers. The Lovers card um, is probably one of the easiest to read and interpret when you're just getting started with the tarot because it really is what it looks like. Um, it's about love and union and harmony and bliss, the reconciling of opposites, um, coming together and finding common ground. Um, but it's mostly about um, intimacy and relationships both with ourselves and with those closest to us. So if you look at the lover's card in the traditional Rider Waite tarot, it's very, it's um, sort of a reflection of the devil card, but instead of in the devil card, which we'll see later, the two uh, lovers are chained to the devil um, and sort of lost their freedom in their enmeshment and ensnarement in the devil's ways. In this card, the lovers are sort of looked over and protected by this angelic being. And um, they also symbolically are standing in the garden. So you see behind Eve is the tree of knowledge with the serpents. Um, so it sort of... Um, hints at or alludes to this honeymoon period before the trials that test this love uh, really come into play later in the devil card and others. But in this card, we are in the honeymoon phase. We have found love. We feel in love. We're inspired by love. We're living by high ideals. We believe anything is possible. It's sort of that elevated feeling that we 
have at the beginning of a relationship before all of the work of the relationship really gets underway. So when the lover's card shows up in uh, reading for me, I get a feeling of um, overcoming obstacles, finding optimism, becoming real and honest with ourselves and others about what we need, um, allowing ourselves to be attended to and attending to our own needs and risking opening ourselves to love and deeper relationship with others. Next is the number seven card or the chariot card. Again, if you have a tarot deck, um, I hugely encourage you to get that out and look at these cards as we talk about them. It really helps you to see and appreciate the symbolism and get into a deeper sense of relationship with the images on the tarot deck that you particularly work with. Um, the chariot card is another card that's really dear to my heart. Um, there was a period of my life where I pulled the chariot almost every time I did a reading for myself, um, and it was a, a chariot time in my life. So the charioteer is someone who is able to rein in the wild impulses, um, and this begins the work that the lovers encounter as they get deeper into their relationship. When we have committed ourselves to something, whether that's a vision, a worldview, a partner, buying a home, starting a business, whatever we've committed ourselves to, as soon as we make that commitment, a few things start to happen. One, the universe responds by giving us lots of opportunities and inspiration. And it also responds by giving us lots of tests and challenges to make sure this is actually what we want. Um, during the time of my life where I was pulling the chariot card all the time, that was also the time of my life that was my Saturn return. And this is the nature of the Saturn return. When we're around 30, Saturn comes back to where it was at our birth and sort of shakes us down and makes sure that the choices we've made are worth sticking to um, and make sure that we truly are willing to put in the work and that we truly are on the path that we want to be on. And so the chariot speaks to that same kind of energy where we have all these possibilities, all these impulses, all of these animal desires. Can we rein them in and guide all of these parts of ourselves in the direction that we've chosen? Again, whether that's career or relationship. And those sorts of, if you're doing a reading for yourself or someone else, the context of what the chariot is headed for or what it's reining in will be found in the surrounding cards, um, and you can get clarity by asking more questions and pulling more cards as well. Um, yeah, and it, it's just a reminder too that if we stay connected and committed and aligned with the direction that we've chosen, um, victory will come that we will achieve and attain the goal, but we have to keep at it. We have to keep reining things in, aligning our heart, our mind, our spirit, saying no to the things that would be obstacles or would stand in our way. Um, so that's all energy of the chariot. Once we have learned to tame all of these parts of ourselves that come to test us, to... Um, tempt us to test our resolve, 
Then we move into number eight card, which is the strength card. So I'm just gonna take a little recap here to remind us where we've come from and where we are. So we start with the fool, which is the um, naive, chasing the horizon, shooting for the furthest star kind of energy. And we move into the magician, which is where we first start to taste our power and realize that we have everything we need within us and right in front of us to be successful on this journey we have chosen. And then we um, encounter the high priestess, which shows us all the things that live under the surface that are in our unconscious or subconscious, that are hidden gifts and talents that um, empower and balance the magician. When these two parts of us come together, the higher mind or the magician and the subconscious mind or the high priestess, and they join with one another, they create this fertile life-giving force within us, which is represented by the Empress, number three in the tarot. She is pregnant, full of fertility, everything is possible, um, feminine, compassionate. She is Mother Earth herself, where everything belongs and um, balance is possible. The Empress is balanced and protected and uh, provided for by the Emperor, the number four card. Uh, the Emperor is um, stable foundation, loyalty, and protection. So we've come through how the Magician and the High Priestess were sort of mirrors of one another, and together they make a whole and now we have the Empress and the Emperor who are sort of mirrors of one another and together they make a whole. Um, we go from the esoteric and ethereal in the Empress, I'm sorry, in the High Priestess and the Magician to the more practical and grounded in the Emperor and the Empress. And then the um, energy that wants to rule over that, to take the structure found by the Emperor and make it law, that is the Hierophant. And that energy um, can feel safe, and it also needs to be challenged. So whenever we can um, find what's working for us, you know, we've integrated these halves of ourselves, the masculine and feminine, the upper and the lower, the practical and the esoteric, and we found what sort of works, and then we're tempted to put it into law and get rigid about it. That's when the lovers come in, number six card, to really challenge the Hierophant. Because nothing is more challenging to law than love. Because we will do anything for love. Um, and we will break the law for love. And we will write new laws for love. And we will break those laws for love. Because love is an irrational force. Um, and it's also deeply vivifying. It makes us feel alive and on fire and capable um, so the fool has sort of come back around to a new full place. <laughs> he's had these worldly experiences. He's integrated parts of himself. He's found what works. And now he's a fool again, but he's a fool for love. Um, once we come into that place of being a fool for love, then we encounter the chariot, which is another point of integration, just like the magician and the high priestess and the emperor and the empress had to integrate their, the halves so we could move through those parts of ourselves to greater wholeness. Now the chariot is bringing forward these animal impulses that we have and these unconscious desires and these distractions and temptations and sh chasing the shiny thing instead of 
staying true to our commitment. And um, when we move through that energy and we are, we have the reins gathered firmly in our hands and we have some sense of how to drive the, the vehicle of our lives forward, the next test then is strength. That is the number eight card. And it, the strength card is a symbol of um, the energy that we have spent as the charioteer and the lesson we have learned from trying to rein all of these things in is this um, deep wisdom about power versus force. And in the, the strength card, we see a woman who has tamed a lion and we know it is impossible for a human to use enough force to overpower a lion. So there has to be another skill or another strategy here um, to create relationship with this creature who could easily kill the woman. And that is true strength, which is not force, but relationship. So this is sort of a higher octave of the lover's card. Our love has been tested. We have had to choose again and again how to come back to relationship. And we've unlocked this, this true strength, um, the fortitude of our heart, our true and deep courage, our ability to withstand and be resilient and trust ourselves and trust those we love. This is true strength. It feels to me as though we, as a species and as a, uh, a sort of a evolved bipedal mammal on planet Earth, are currently uh, working out this major arcana card, the strength card. We are trying to discern the difference between force and strength um, and real power and coercion. Um, we're, we really seem to be at that crossroad right now. I mean, we've we've moved through uh, the previous major arcana cards in a lot of ways. Um, the chariot has had really tested us the past few years. Um, are we committed to democracy? Uh, are we committed to um, being humanitarian? Um, are we committed to civility and mercy? And if we truly are, which we say we are, now it's time to prove it by uh, moving through the strength card and finding the true source of power within ourselves. Um, and then we'll wrap up the last card that we'll look at together today is the number nine card or the hermit. So once we've found this power within us, this true power, the power to be in relationship, the power to trust and be vulnerable, true strength, then we move into the hermit energy, the number nine card, which is we have unlocked an incredible depth within ourselves in that in answering the initiation that the lovers brought us, we've connected to our own hearts, we've connected to our principles and our values, and now we've tapped this like sort of inner chamber and it wants to unload itself. It wants to unburden itself. This inner chamber is full and brimming with wisdom and insight and lessons and um, sort of these um, pressure-formed diamonds. And we must 
sort of turn from the outer world and go and encounter the treasures that are within us. Um, and the hermit does that by removing himself or herself from the fray, sort of stepping back from the the day-to-day and the mundane in order to gather a different perspective, a deeper perspective, a more real and true perspective. Um, coming into solitude and listening to what is now available to be learned from within ourselves is the energy of the hermit. And um, this energy calls to us quite often in modern day living and the effort it takes to answer the call to find the peace and solitude so that we could gather the gems that have compressed in the pressure within us uh, is a very countercultural thing to do, to unplug, uh, stay off of social media, uh, stay out of the mall or um, the local markets, um, and instead go and walk the trails of the forest or sit with your journal. Um, it is extremely countercultural to turn off the noise and distractions and instead turn to the teacher within. That has been a big part of my initiation into magic and witchcraft is finding the teacher within. There are many infinite teachers in the world. The plants are teachers, the soil is a teacher, the wind is a teacher, the animals are teachers, and there are human teachers. And within all of that, um, there is a teacher within us. And so um, learning to hear the voice of the teacher within is a really necessary step on the path to individuation. Because when we find the voice of the teacher within, then we have found the voice of discernment. And so that's almost like the next level after the charioteer has been, the charioteer has been challenged to pull the reins in and truly commit to the path ahead. Um, the hermit then understands why. Why did I have to make that commitment? Why did I have to pick up the reins? It's sort of like the lessons, we live out the lessons in our bodies and in our lives, and then we have to digest them and integrate them and, and actually glean the wisdom from those experiences and understand what happened. And that's the energy of the hermit. So I hope you're enjoying this walk through the forest of the tarot. Um, I'm really enjoying talking about it with you. Um, these cards have been such a force of companionship and wisdom and guidance in my life for the past 25 years or so. And so I'm just so grateful to um, be able to share these deep uh, friendships I've made with the cards uh, with all of you who are interested. And if you're looking for a few more opportunities to get connected to um, something more in your spiritual life or a deeper exploration of what it means to be human in these times, I have a few events coming up. Um, every Thursday night at seven o'clock, I facilitate a free um, contemplative practice group. It's on Zoom and you can find a link that um, in my link fly and Instagram um, and also in the show notes. Um, and this Sunday, you can also join me for um, a group called Something More Spiritually, which also happens on Zoom, so you can join from anywhere.
This group is co-facilitated by Ellen Diona. You may remember her from the episode on the fires of justice and sacred activism. Um, And Ellen and I will lead you through practices that help you mine the depths and get in touch with these um, inner sources of strength and insight and wisdom that are available to you and just waiting for you to claim them. Again, you can find information on that gathering as well in the show notes. And may the energies of this Aries new moon bring you closer every day to the world that you choose by giving you clarity and courage and vision and the energy to take steps to bring that world into being. Thank you for joining me for the Plant Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Schrader. I'm an herbalist, a mother, a holistic nurse, and a practitioner of the ancient ways. You can connect with me between episodes at therebelherbalist.com or on Instagram and Facebook, The Rebel Herbalist.